wants Joe to come up. My name is Matt, and it's my great privilege. For those of you who don't know her yet, this is Joe. And um, Joe is part of our family here at SBC. Come stand aside, Joe. Um, Joe started attending way before me in the 2000s, I think. She trained as a teacher. She's very bright. She's a maths teacher. But um, God is, uh, has a call in her life, and she's responded to that call faithfully. Uh, she then went to, with OM, which is Operation Mobilization, and was sent out to Sudan by this church. Um, and what she's going to speak on this morning, she's lived through. She's been interrogated at gunpoint. She knows what it's like to have to be in dark places uh, responding to the call of Jesus. She then came back for a short time from Sudan and then went to Libya. And Joe's daily experience was hearing bombs and uh, shells going off. And I think we as an eldership were quite, <laughs> we were more nervous than she was. Um, yeah. And uh, then what she did after Libya, she just felt like she needed to get a time of input. So she went to Wheaton College um, and she's done her master's, so probably one of the top academic institutions in the world. And then uh, had came back and um, God has opened a door to train, uh, use Joe's uh, experiences to train missionaries uh, globally. And we get to have a, as a part of our church. Isn't that amazing? Um, yeah. So, Joe, I just want to say it has been an absolute privilege to have you in my life and in our lives. And just to watch what the Lord is doing in you has been astounding. And we just come with eager hearts this morning to hear what you have for us as a church. Joe has been a part of our mission week. And so she gets the, the privilege um, to wrap up um, what God has been doing in some ways and sealing what God has been doing in some ways in our hearts this morning. And so we'd love to just be open to the Lord. Why don't you just close your eyes and uh, let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to bless this time. Lord, we're so thankful for the sister in Christ. We're thankful for the grace upon her life and the evident deposit of Jesus. And, and Lord, I pray what you have put in her heart, would we catch this morning, that, Father, as a church, we would be aware of your heart for the nations and your love for the lost. And I just pray for Joyce. She, she uh, preaches this morning. She would not only feel amongst family, but she would feel amongst the presence of Jesus here. And that, Lord, as we hear your word this morning, it would come powerfully from the throne of grace. And that, Lord, would hear your voice clearly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everyone, for having me here. Oops. <laughs> right, there we go. Lawrence and the team asked me if I wanted to use the, um, the music stand or the pulpit. And um, Lawrence had wi some wise words. He said he would use the pulpit because in the army, they taught them to stand behind the sandbanks. <laughs> so I thought that was wise. <laughs> Those were wise words. What a privilege it is for me to be standing here today sharing with you what God has laid on my heart. I want to thank you for all of your involvement this week. Wow, what a whirlwind of fun and learning and praying and loving it has been. And I've just thoroughly enjoyed being here with you. And as we end this week, I want to share with you a story about a woman called Lilius Trotter. She was born in London in 1853. And unfortunately, her father died when she was 13 years old. Her mother a strong believer, 
encouraged her to do local missions outreach on the streets of London. But she also encouraged her to continue and pursue her talent, which was painting. She was an incredible artist. And her, um, an, a very famous art critic and someone who became her tutor eventually said that she had the potential to be the greatest living painter. He was very frustrated because she tended to spend more of her time on the streets amongst working women in the day and prostitutes at night than she did on her painting. Eventually, Lilius was faced with a big decision. She had two all-consuming passions. Missions, Jesus following what he wanted for her, and this incredible talent. So she took time out and spent time with the Lord praying about it. And after that, she came out and said, I cannot give myself completely to art and seek first the kingdom of God. In radical obedience, Lilius Trotter left a promising art career. She could have earned millions in those days, whatever the equivalent was, <laughs> and went ministering on the street. And eventually, she even left the comforts of London to go to Algeria. She was 34 years old when she left for Algeria. Single, with a very weak heart. She went to serve in Algeria for the rest of her life. And God used her in remarkable ways there. Lilius' primary focus was Jesus. And she wrote this. You will recognize it. We just sang it a few moments ago. Turn full your soul's vision to Jesus and look at him. And a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. For he is worthy to have all there is to be had in the heart that he died to win. Lilius had to make very hard choices in her life. And she faced many challenges. But her love for Jesus and for the lost drove what she chose to do in life. As a trainer, I get to attend, organize, and teach a wide variety of tools, principles, courses. And as I'm doing that, I pick up a thing or two along the way. I learned a tool called the Heart of Ministry from a community development course that we did. And this tool had a profound impact on my life. There's things I'd learned before, but for some reason, this really touched me and had an influence on how I've chosen to live my life and how I choose to serve God. And I'm going to share that with you today.
The heart of ministry starts with the heart, which we call impact. The impact is the long-term results we hope to see. Perhaps in an organization you've heard of it called the mission statement or a purpose statement. Perhaps it's a life verse or a vision, but it all starts the heart. From there, we have the outcomes. The outcomes are the changes we expect to see in people's lives, the midterm goals, if you will. And then, and only then, do we look at the activities. And the activities are what we do to reach our desired outcomes. The heart is the starting point. And I think that came out so beautifully through Dave and what Lawrence was saying this morning. The Holy Spirit working in our heart is where we must start. From there, we look at changes we need to make in our own lives and changes God wants to use us um, in other people's lives. And then and only then do we start planning the activities. How often in our lives do we sit down and go, I must do this. This is what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. And we make this list of activities that we need to do. If we start there, we are never going to achieve what God wants us to achieve because it's in our own strength. We will not be able to continue with that. If the outcomes or the impact aren't happening, we need to change the activities, not what God has placed on our heart. If we look at Lilius Trotter's story, she loved God with all her heart, with all her heart, and she had a, a heart for the lost and broken. That's the impact God called her to have. She wanted to see changes in people's lives. She wanted to see those outcomes. She had to make choices and changes that were hard. She packed up her life and she went to Algeria. Then she put a whole lot of activities in place. She opened coffee shops for women. She worked with the poor and the destitute and, and the marginalized in Algeria. She put activities in place. This pattern, if you belong to any organization or um, company even, or even SBC, this is a pattern that we see right here. In SBC, we can see the heart there of SBC is to fill the city of East London and beyond with the gospel and the glory of God. Through prayer and fasting and time, I know the leaders came up with this as guided by the Holy Spirit. And then they love, they want to see the change in all our lives as we are loving up, as we are loving in, as we are loving out. And the activities then are what we do. Perhaps the ministries that we're all involved in, the preaching, discipleship, small groups, event. These activities 
are so that people's lives can be changed, so that God can use us to reach East London and beyond. So, we've heard how this works in a person's life, like Lilia's Trotter. We see how it works in SBC. But really, let's look at the word and see what God wants to tell us about what needs to be in our heart as we want to impact East London with the gospel and beyond with the gospel and glory of God. I want us to turn, if you've got your Bibles with me, with you, to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 to 9. Have that ready. Of course, this is Missions Week, and I'm a missionary, so we have to have a talk about missions. And, um, and so... I'm going to show us what is known in the mission circles as the three C's. The first one is the great commandment, and I'll talk a bit about that. The second one is the great commission, and the third one is the great compassion. How are these things at the center of our heart driving what we do? So the first one, we will look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and you walk along the road when you lie down and when you sit up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. My question as we start looking at this great commandment is, what is your overarching passion in life? What drives Everything you do. As followers of Jesus, loving him should be the motivation in who we are and in everything that we do. We are reminded in this passage to love the Lord our God with all our strength, with all our heart, and with all our soul. This verse highlights the utmost importance of our relationship with God. Our love for him should encompass every facet of our being. We are called to love him wholeheartedly without reservation. As we consider the impact of our lives and our ministry, we must recognize that it is ultimately driven by our love for God. Our desire should be to see hearts transformed, communities restored, and hearts reconciled to Him. The impact of our ministry should be lasting, significant, and bringing glory to God through revealing His love to others. 
So if that is at the heart, perhaps some questions as we look at what change we hope to see, the outcomes. The first thing I want to ask you today, is Jesus the king of your life? Have you fully committed your life to him? Perhaps you're sitting here today and going, I don't quite understand this concept of loving God completely. Perhaps there's someone here who first needs to commit your life wholeheartedly to following Jesus. And then, if we are loving God, what changes do we need to see in our own lives as we shift priorities, perhaps, as we step out of our comfort zone, perhaps? What change do I expect to see as I start to minister to others? Once we have the heart and the outcomes in place, what flows out of that? What activities come from that? Deuteronomy 6 verse 7 to 9 gives us very practical instructions on this. We need to be teaching them to our children. We need to be talking about them all the time. It even says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Our love for Jesus needs to flow out of us. This greatest commandment emphasizes the integration of the great commandment in every single element of our lives. Does our love for him bubble out in our conversation with others? There's a tool that those that came to the evangelism course would have learned. It's called salty statements or shema, shema statements, which is this passage. That is being, um, being sure of, um, being intentional, sorry, lost the word, being intentional in how we speak of our love to Jesus at work, at school, wherever we are. Parents, I want to warn you, it is very dangerous if this happens in your lives. It can have serious consequences on your children. One day, my mother asked me when I was speaking to her from Libya. We just had been in some bomb had just hit nearby, and I was in fighting, and it was scary. And my mom said to me, Joanne, why do you choose to go to these crazy places? And I looked at her. I said, Mom, did you and Dad live your love for Jesus every day? Yes. Did you teach me to follow Jesus wholeheartedly? Yes. Did you give me missionary books to read? Bring missionaries into my home? Bring missionaries into our church? Don't blame me for making these choices. It's your fault. And so be careful with this, parents. You might have missionaries in your ha on your hands going to crazy places in the future. Your love for Jesus bubbling out in your lives, teaching your children these things. Wow, imagine the impact on their lives. The second one, the second C, is the Great Commission. 
the most famous missions passage ever. So those of you who want to turn to it, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Right. I should know it. I say it enough times in my training. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission is what we describe as the last words of Jesus to his disciples. Now, I was very sad, it was very sad to hear that Tom Keller, uh, Tim Keller had passed away last night, or last week. And he had quite a, a profound impact on my life um, at various times. But what I found interesting as I read what his family had said and others had said, what came out quite often was his last words were that. If we speak about famous people or family members, the last words are always significant, right? And here, Jesus leaving earth, his very last words to those left behind, we call the Great Commission. The Great Commission is very important. We need to listen. I don't think Jesus could have been any clearer about what he wants us to do. He says, go and make disciples. In an Ask Pastor John podcast on the Desiring God website, uh, a caller asked John Piper the following question. Do you think this command to reach the nations is better interpreted when we see it challenging the apostles, church leaders, and even whole local churches? Or should we take this as a personal commission from Jesus given to every Christ follower? His reply, John Piper's reply was, it is meant for individuals, but in different ways. We are, can't all pack up and leave and go to other countries. And we see it over and over in the New Testament. We can play a part. In Romans 1, Paul is speaking to the church, and he's not recruiting people. He's recruiting people to give to those going. In addition, we also see in the New Testament, says John Piper, that he may not expect every one of us to pack our bags and go to cross-cultural ministry. But in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, we are instructed, all believers are instructed to declare the excellencies of Christ in their network of relationships. Regardless of whether you are called to share the gospel with those right here, 
to pray for unreached people groups, to support a missionary, or to pack up and go to the ends of the earth. The Great Commission is the second thing that must be central to our hearts. So, what changes do we need to make if that's to be? What exciting changes can we expect to see in people's lives if we take this seriously? Again, a number of years ago, John Piper said something quite controversial on Twitter. Harsh words. <laughs> he said, you have three choices in world missions. Be a joyful, sacrificial goer. Be a joyful, sacrificial sender. Or be disobedient. Wow, that's quite strong. I would probably add be a joyful, sacrificial prayer <laughs> as well. But I do believe that it is biblical. What do we need to build into our lives, into our families' lives, in order to see the heart of the great command and the great commission to go to all nations happen? Many of you have been proactive in partnering with me over the years, and you are so special to me. As a church, I am loved, prayed for, encouraged, and supported financially. Individuals in this church over years have loved me, have prayed for, had given sacrificially for me to go. And it doesn't matter how much or what. It has been significant. On one hand, two years ago, I needed a car, and I believed God was going to provide that. God spoke to someone in this church, and they listened. And I have a little car that I run around everywhere in, doing my ministry. Someone else, many years ago, a teenager, came to me and said, Joanne, you're the first missionary I'm supporting. I can only give you 50 rand a month. Is that okay? That was a million rand to me someone who had a heart for missions, and I was their first missionary that they supported. How special. I also have people that come to me regularly and say, Joanne, have you got news of John and Ross in Libya? How are they doing? I pray for them regularly. Joanne, do you have an update on Sudan? What's happening there? Because I pray for it regularly. Neville and Amelia, are also part of this week. They are going to be going, and Neville already does, and Amelia's going. Perhaps you can be a part of what they are doing too. Perhaps you can commit to pray. Perhaps you can commit to give. Doesn't matter what God is calling you to do, to pray for the nations, to give, or perhaps to pack your bags and to go. The third C, the great compassion. Let's look at Matthew 9, verse 38, 35 to 38.
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are the flu. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In Luke, we read, Luke 7, verse 11 to 14, we read, Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. Often when we read passages about Jesus doing ministry, we read he had compassion on people. Here in the first passion, in the first passage, he had compassion on them because they were lost without a shepherd. In the second one, it was a physical need. He had compassion on her. Are we heartbroken when we see people in the world who are suffering? Are we able to be involved in bringing help, healing, empowerment to them? A heart for missions cannot come from a feeling of compulsion alone. It must come from genuine compassion for the lost, the helpless, and the broken. Do you expect to see change in people's lives as you go and you serve and you help them? Barema is an incredible man, a doctor from Mali. He had the opportunity to work and make a lot of money. But he had compassion on his people. And he would go into villages doing community help and helping these villages in rural Mali. He brought Jesus and he brought his team with skills to help them. As he went through the different towns and he'd spend some time there, the team would start Discovery Bible Studies, meeting with people, groups of people, and things started to change in these villages as Muslim folk chose to follow Jesus. The leaders of other villages would look at the ones that he'd been to, and there are many villages right now on a list that Baromi has that he's got to work through going to all the villages because they've requested that he brings not only the physical good news, but the news of Jesus to these towns. Baromi has chosen to give up a life of comfort to serve Jesus, stemming from a heart 
of compassion. There is so much that we can do right here in East London if we have a heart of compassion to people, for people. But where do we start? And I want to encourage you, join ministries that are already there. Don't join because you feel you have to. I think we heard very clearly from Dave this morning, it must come from a heart and, and from the leading of the Holy Spirit. What does God want you to do? Perhaps you need to get involved in what NCO is doing. Perhaps you need to get involved in ministering in the Freedom Fight or other ministries, kids' ministry, meeting with people. How can you get involved here in the church but beyond in impacting the lost for Jesus? What can your family do? How can you get your children involved in doing this? Right, these activities could include evangelism, discipleship, worship, serving the needy, acts of compassion. Each activity must be motivated by love. God used these three C's in my life throughout my ministry. And it was incredible. I just loved the way he clearly showed me why I must do what I must do. And as I look back on my life, yes, it's been difficult. Yes, I was kicked out of a country. Yes, I faced bombs. Yes, I've stayed single to minister. But I really look back and I go, God, I wouldn't change a thing. Thank you for leading me where you did. For my first place that I went to, he called me to serve with street boys in Sudan. My call there, my heart there, was a line from a song that said, break my heart for what breaks yours. The great compassion was what drove me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. After my season in Sudan, God called me to Libya. He used the great commission to call me for that one, as well as Romans 10. That's this week's passage. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so I packed up and went to Libya where God used me, I believe, to touch people's lives. I still pray for them, so I still believe he's using me. Then probably the hardest call, which is strange, was for me to come back and serve in South Africa. And there God said, Joanne, do you love me? The great commandment. And he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. God used these three C's to call me to ministry. What is he calling you to today? And I know for many of us, we really want to do it. And many people have come up to me and said, Joanne, when I was young, God called me to go as a missionary. But, you know, I went and studied and I got married and life happened. What are some of the barriers? What are some of the things that are stopping you and me 
from living out these three C's. Perhaps it's fear. Fear of people laughing at us if we share the gospel with them at work. If God's calling you to a crazy place, that's rightfully got some fear involved there. The second one, and probably the one that we all struggle with the most, our comfort zone. We can become very complacent, happy in our house, in our home, in our family. Someone said to me just the other day, Joanne, when I sit in church and I'm involved in ministry here, I know what I'm supposed to do. But you know, when I get out there, it just seems to change because life starts to happen. What is your comfort zone? Maybe that, God needs to challenge that today. Linked with that, of course, we all have this one, busyness. Especially families and parents, I think I take my hat off to you guys. But my parents integrated it into our life. They're speaking of their love for Jesus. My dad would go out and do street ministry. I watched him do it. Your children are watching you. Bring it into your busyness as you go about the day in the car, as you drive around. Talk about it with your children. Perhaps it's lack of awareness. I think for many people this week, it was like, wow, I didn't know that. Go into uh, apps, get books about countries and what's going on. Pray for them. Perhaps it's spiritual dryness. When we neglect our spiritual walk with Lord, then the growth and intimacy of God is not there. Our passion for ministry will wane. In conclusion, I'd like to challenge you to take time to consider what God is placing on your heart. Is he prompting you with the great command to love him with all your heart? Or the great commission to pray, to give, or to go? And finally, ask God to give you the compassion for the lost and the broken. Yes, there are definitely things that can stop or hinder us. But can we say, like Lilius Potter did, turn full your soul's vision to Jesus and look and look at him. And a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. For he is worthy to have all there is to be had in the heart that he has died to win. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we truly, truly want that love to overflow to others around us, to the lost, to the broken, to the needy. Lord God, I pray that whatever you've prompted in people's lives today, whatever you've challenged them with, I pray that as they get into the life, busyness, just comfort zones, 
that none of us will forget that. And that you will help us through the leading of your Holy Spirit to start putting activities in place so that we can see people's lives changed, so that we can have an impact for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd love to talk to Jo after the service, she is here. She is a wonderful wealth of uh, stories and inspiration, also wisdom. So if you want to process anything that she said today, she's here. Um, but otherwise, please enjoy a lovely cup of coffee outside. It's been lovely to be with you this morning, and we look forward to seeing you next week when Riggs preaches. Thank you so much.